Hey guys, welcome to the Take Points Africa podcast. My name is Muywa. My name is Odwani Femi. And I'm Imano. So it seems like there was a lot of uh, funding news this week. Like plenty, plenty funding news. So is it just me? Right. There are not that plenty as we noticed in the last month, few months of 2020. But well, for a week, mm. I think that's a lot. We have, we have three that we reported. Two from Kenya and one from Ghana. And um, okay. one of them is a clean tech, um, agri-tech, clean tech. So both clean tech, ag- agri-tech startup, Sun Culture, is Kenya-based. So it, just, it has okay. received $11 million in debt funding. And um, oh, so it's the debt, focus not is... Equity. Yes, it's not equity, it's debt, it's debt funding. So mm. um, $11, million, $11 million in debt funding to focus focus on the market it already is in Kenya, Uganda, Togo, Ivory Coast, Zambia, and Senegal. So this is what Sun Culture does. Sun Culture provides solar energy-powered irrigation solutions to smallholder farmers in these African countries. So since um, these smallholder farmers are not, they don't have like the money for mechanized farming equipment, it provides these solutions yeah. for them in in subsidized rate and also as a pay-as-you-go uh, on a pay-as-you-go um, basis. So the plan mm-hmm. has always been since this f- since the past seven years that the um, startup has been operating. The plan has always been to reduce CO2 emission in in the country, and it's quite interesting that um, this is one of the um, this is one of the sectors like the next sector after fintech that got more funding in 2020, according to Brita Bridges report for the year, startup start funding report for the year. So I think mm-hmm. more investors are looking to help the continent stay green. And yeah. yes. So that's <laughs> like the next frontier now after FinTech. Although FinTech startups still are still getting funding, but they are more in the API space now. API. So the mm-hmm. Monos, the Okras. Yeah. And ping me the US based mm-hmm. yeah. That's focused on Africa. Yes. Mm. So moving on from that, still in Kenya, I mean truck, the um Uber for Uber for trucks. trucks. Yes. Um so kind has, of like Cobo 360 and the Lorry systems. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. So they have okay. raised an undisclosed proceed funding. Um in yes, just recently. And the plan is to use this to f- to also focus on other East African countries. So I'm in truck, like we said, like Kubotirish State deals with peer-to-peer logistic um, movements um, between mm-hmm. um, East African nations and also within cities in, in Kenya. So the plan for this is to is to uh, also deepen, deepen their services in this country. Given that um, last year actually experienced three hundred um, percent revenue growth in from from the services during that, and it's like it's kind of happened across board for most trucking online trucking um, businesses like Cobotiri City. Cobotiri City also claimed to have their best month revenue wise in October last year. So mm. it is quite understandable in because in the heat of the pandemic. Yes, because these um, mm. services are one, they are they are digital. So less 
less um, people meeting, less, less human, human interaction. interaction. Yes. So, and mm -hmm. apart from that, they they are used to to transport food and drugs, which are like the most essential products during essential. the lockdown and generally during the pandemic. So yes, I mm. hope we hope that like they they do more. Yes, they do more. The pandemic mm -hmm. is still on and everybody's trying to go digital. So fully, they do more. We yeah. uh, wish them Most well. Them. Yes, we wish them well. And yes, in Ghana, it's um, SFAN. Okay. It's a Ghanaian edtech platform focused on um, helping university graduates to be employable. So they've been around for seven years too. And the focus has always been to help these people develop their capacity in the sense that they help them to write their resume, mm. build proposals, um, or build their website, build business plan. Anything that just puts them out there as employable, right? And they get that their business, that's how they make money. These people pay them okay. to do it So they raised them. money also? And, okay, yes. They raised um, okay. 250K dollars in proceed by um, led by Ghana-based investor King Solomon's group. So the plan has always been to to help university graduates to build capacity. But so with this fundraise now, the focus will now move from helping them to build CV resumes and um, proposal and all to um, um, to a new initiative. It has been on since last year, actually. Ready for Work, that's the name of the initiative. So it's like an accelerator program where these uh, entrepreneurs, okay. these youths can be trained in digital skills, which are like the most converted skills now, data mm. analytics and other digital skills. They will now be trained. They will, of course, they will pay for it, but it's, uh, but it's at least it's to increase their capacity for them to get employed. And one of the perks that comes with it is that recruiters are also on this platform. So for you to go and get trained with them, you also get picked so, by this so recruiter. So it's an online so virtual just, platform, right? Because I was trying to see how, that, how this can scale. No, no, oh, no. Oh, it wasn't mentioned. Okay, then I'm struggling to see how that can scale and why yeah. the risk, why the risk two hundred and fifty thousand dollars proceed. Yeah, I'm even about to ask. I think online actually works well for the model they were coming with, but for this Reddit for work, mm. I don't think it can work that much as an online platform. You get so organizing training events is something that would be because people want to collaborate, they want to network. So it's like okay. one of the things they will use to sell their training events. So I believe I think they will just have to mix it together. But it's not, it's not stated. It's not stated. Yeah, whatever it is, I'm, I'm sure whoever invested did their due diligence and they know what they're using the money for. So all the best to all the found, uh, startups that raised funding. It's good to see that uh, they are not. None of them is fintech because fintech still, still seems to be the darling of. Uh, Africa investors in, in Africa. In so tech, right. it's good to see clean tech, agri tech, education. So all the best to them. All the best to them. So um, in the US right now, I think it's supposed to be Black History Month. And then mm -hmm. next month is supposed to be International Women's Day. But it feels like International Women's Day came quite early this week. <laughs> mm. It came early. Yeah. It came <laughs> this week. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we have we have um, a good news. I think it's like a good news <laughs> to other parts of the world. 
Like Nigeria is blessing them. Okay, Nigeria is blessing Netflix and Nigeria is blessing blessing the world. So every every Atawadi, mm-hmm. we used to be the general manager for West Africa for Uber and also the head of products for Uber as yeah. um joined Netflix after spending six years with the right dining company. So yes, she 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 made the she made uh, some marks. Yes, she 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 was behind our how Uber came to like the three African cities that yeah, I for you rather. Mean the West African um, Uber cities, is in Lagos, mean. Abuja, in Nigeria, is in Accra, yeah. in Ghana, and Abidjan, Ivory yeah. Coast. She made that happen, and yes, she also made a lot of things happen in the payment. Um, yeah, I, I the, remember when Uber had issues with payments just in 2015, and with the issue with the dollar and all of that. This new administration and cards were not working. Um, Nigerian cards were not working, and then she was she spearheaded the, the switch cash to payments. cash because before then they were not they were not accepting cash, and then she was one of the first people to adopt Flutterwave for to resolve the issue they were having with, with card payments. So yeah, she did a lot in that area. Yeah. Now that she's joining Netflix, she will be focused on um, EMEA region, that is Europe, Middle East, and African regions. Um, uh, she will be the director of payment. And most of the countries in this region are also developing, so they have a lot of um, things to be um, yeah. to be brought into their payment to attract people to use Netflix. Hopefully, hopefully Netflix will be able Thank to you. compete well with um, multi-choice showmax mm. in in Africa. Listen, <laughs> 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 you sound like you're taking side. Yeah, taking sides with Netflix. Is Showmax not to be a, no. supposed to be an African product? <laughs> is it, it because is, no, but Netflix now it is, is a Nigerian into the, It's keen into the Niger dream with Netflix yeah. Niger. Well, I so, guess so. Hopefully, I mean, yeah, we, just, we, just, we just want a level playing ground, you know? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't watch... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I couldn't and watch I, Champions I, I, League with Shumax, <laughs> like the upgraded version. I couldn't watch Premier League. So they said Shumax, uh, the Champions League is only available to their South African audience. I'm like, why? Why? So It must be a licensing issue. Oh, but the Premier League is available. Yeah, Premier League is Yeah. Interesting. And other leagues. Anyway, <laughs> what about Bifia? It's interesting to see what she would do there because I know that uh, Netflix is already testing micro subscriptions in India. Yeah. Where people where people can subscribe to mobile only and uh, standard definition mm-hmm. versions of Netflix, and they can pay. They don't have to pay with um, debit cards. They can buy like uh, scratch cards, and then uh, you know get oh maybe one hour, or two hours, or one week of Netflix hmm. and stuff like that. So she'll probably be very instrumental in in, in spreading that into West Africa, and the, the Middle East, and whatever. So it'll be interesting to see what she she will spearhead while she's there. And yes, the other good news is um, Nigeria's former, two-time former finance minister, Dr. Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala, has been named the seventh DG of the World Trade Organization. (laughs) And we've actually started the celebration since like October when uh, there was like a majority vote for her among the European Union member states. Ambassadors from the European Union member states. So now she has been declared as the DG. I remember the that the United States didn't want her. Yes. But <laughs> so no. now she's been... But, but what are we <laughs> celebrating exactly? Because yes, but now she's Yes, there. it's good. Yes, Nigerian is the first African, first Nigerian, first woman, woman. 
woman there. So that's that's good news. That's good news. But I'm seeing what else are we supposed to celebrate? Because it seems people to think that because she's now the head of the World Trade Organization, it's going to change some things like the Africa Free Trade, free trade Agreement. I, I okay. don't know what I want to uh, really celebrate it. I'm trying to get it. If we want to um, look at it, like look, move back and look at it, it's like a minority in quotes is being mm-hmm. represented. You get African and some developing nations don't usually get some benefits, so to say, especially with mm. COVID-19 vaccine. And Ngozi raised it mm-hmm. in a press release, in a press statement, rather, after she was declared yeah. the DG. She said she would go ahead to make sure that there's like uniform distribution of COVID-19 at supplies to developing countries. If we notice African African countries, especially Nigeria, has been is it denied? No, like we, we don't have the facilities have the to take the COVID-19. <laughs> I mean, the Minister of yet. Health. I remember watching the Minister of Health say that at best we can expect 40% vaccination by the end of this year and 70% next year. Wow. That's these are wow. and these are just generous estimates. Hmm. <laughs> so the, the baby boy lifestyle is so far off. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so so she, she's trying to make sure that even if the the even if the the existing COVID-19 vaccine, if they can't get to these countries, these countries should be allowed to make their own vaccines and make sure they are they receive patents so that they can is be that, distributed. Is in that the under jurisdiction? I don't know enough about the World Trade Organization, but is that not supposed to be like the World Trade Organization's purview? view? Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm being careful. Yes, yeah. yes because it has to do with sales. You know, they don't just give out these vaccines. Okay. Countries buy them. So... Since she has to do with trade, yes, she has. It's, okay, it's about distribution, sense. you get, and it's it's about it's that about pushing sense. it, yes, pushing for it so that they can get their yeah. own vaccine. So hopefully, less represented countries, developing countries, can um, gain from. Yeah, uh, congratulations to her. There. I mean, there's no forget hopefully. that she sits on. She's on the. She's a member of the Twitter board of directors. She's a board member on Twitter and uh, Twitter's board of directors. And also Standard mm-hmm. Bank, if I'm not mistaken, and of course, two-time financial minister, Nigeria's fi- mm-hmm. Nigerian finance minister in two different administrations, uh, foreign affairs. So foreign affairs. And of course, mm-hmm. she has history in, with the World Bank. That's cool. Congratulations to her. Congratulations to Ebi Ataudi. I'll be very interested to see the things that will happen with Netflix coming forward. Okay, let's go to something that is very close to heart. Uh, it it speaks to what we are doing right now. Podcasting or the articles you publish and all of that. Nigerian lawmakers are pushing a bill to ban, punish, disqualify, whatever word you want to use, people that are practicing journalism without a degree in media. What the hell is going on there, Emmanuel? Ah, so, what is happening is the Nigerian lawmakers, the House of Reps to be precise, they are amending a bill, uh, the Nigerian Press Council Act, they are amending the act. That was enacted in 1992 during the regime of uh, General Ibrahim Badamosi Babangida. And uh, that press council act, Nigerian Press Council, is like the body that regulates journalism activities in Nigeria. So basically, if you as a person, you have a problem with a journalist, you can report to the press council. Or if you're a journalist mm-hmm. and you have a problem with an organization, you report to the press council too. So it does guide things regarding journalism activities in Nigeria. So mm-hmm. with the new amendments, 
if you don't have a media degree, you might not be able to practice journalism in Nigeria or you get punished. And if you have a degree in other subjects, uh, you are given five years to get a graduate certificate in a journalism or media related degree or you get penalized as Muiwa has mentioned. So it's the whole of... <laughs> this is crazy. So to yeah. what end? To what end? Yeah, they want to restore the lost glory of journalism. What's, right. what's silly lost glory? <laughs> yeah. this, 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 this seems very targeted to me. Yeah. Because a lot of the people who this will affect, journalists that this will affect, journalists yeah. in online media, who are the most likely not to have journalism degrees yeah. as opposed to mm-hmm. traditional media. So it seems to me that this is targeted because of how quick you know, online media is the story breaks, you publish it, you don't have to wait to publish it the next day mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then in light of all the recent happenings, the answers, protest against police brutality, Lekki Massacre, everything that has been happening, I, I think this is government's subtle way of trying to control that by putting back. fear in, in journalists mm-hmm. who are more likely to be playing the online space. Because it's, it makes no sense. To me, right. it makes no it, sense. I, I, I just... I just believe that if if you feel that there are some ethics that these um, platforms should follow, just lay them out. Then we'll be able to tick the boxes. Mm-hmm. But then <laughs> there's another side to that because the government, these lawmakers house have been trying to push the social media bill. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, we, we don't even know where to run, right? So, but now that it, it, it's out, even though it has passed the second reading, yeah, I'm, I'm sure stakeholders should be able to come up and request for their own. That's the worrying part that it has passed second reading. Uh, yeah, there should still be a public now. hearing. Just so like, one more, one more reading and to be an act. Yeah, but there should still be a public hearing, like there was for the social media bill, right? The civil yeah. rights organizations like Paradigm Initiative, they fought against mm-hmm. it. I think that was in February 2020. So yeah, yeah, if they should pass this stage, there should be a public hearing, and I hope a lot of people in the online media space because I'm not banking too much on the traditional media space. But yeah, guys yeah. like Fisher Yoshiombo who works for Cable, uh, who wrote uh, investigative journalism stories, like the one about the prison, Ikoi prison, yeah, Ikoi. the one yeah, about uh, customs. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Then Kiki yeah. Modi who uh, narrated the self so great. So a lot of people that don't have journalism degrees or some of them. Do you have a I don't do. None yeah. of us here has a journalism degree. <laughs> well, I don't. Ah, I might <laughs> don't have to down, start to change to not so, do gospels. <laughs> it makes, and okay, I, I, there's an interesting point that was brought up on Twitter and, and I agree. Many of the people when they saw the story is that they asked these lawmakers, do they have political science degrees? A, degree, a law degree? Do they have a political science political science degree? Some of them don't even have a university degree. So what's the idea behind all of this? Mm. As long as journalism is done purely and done right, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you need to have a degree in that. Oh. It makes no sense at all. When I saw this, t- well, <laughs> even in the, everywhere around the world, some of the most successful journalists mm-hmm. do not have a journalism degree. Yeah, even in history, so, uh, the Azik ways, the Awala wars, they didn't have journalism exactly. degrees and even Antoine Enahoro didn't even have a university degree. So it's... Yeah, so it's, it's, to me, it seems very targeted. Yeah. It's, it seems very targeted. But let's move away from government and all the annoying things. But, okay, look, before we move away from government, I mean, something is happening in Utopia. Utopia is one place where uh, there's a lot of issues around digital rights, mm-hmm. right? Because the Ethiopian government can switch off the internet for any flimsy reason. Yeah, at will. Reasons as flimsy as we don't want to exam my yeah, practice. Yeah, exam practice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then uh, Yinkan and Adewali experienced that in 2019 when they visited Ethiopia. 
and they they notice the resilience of the tech entrepreneurs mm-hmm. there. Some of them had to have to maintain offices in Kenya. So whenever the internet is shut down, they just Ethiopia and Kenya are very close. They just move there to Kenya, get things done. When the internet is back, they go back. And then there are stories of people who we, we wrote a story. We we'll put a link to that. Um, Yinka wrote a very good story about the the tech ecosystem in uh, or the digital ecosystem in Ethiopia mm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. But and part of that is tied to the fact that the government, the only telecoms company yeah. in the country is, is government owned. Yeah, tel- yeah, it's government run. So government can just do anything here. But now there seems to be some good news. They opened as at last year they started opening up, or even two years ago, mm-hmm. and now they've opened bids for third parties to come and own telecom licenses in the country. And there's news that Safaricom is seeming to be a favorite. Yeah. Kenya Safaricom. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Uh, Ethiopia Communication Authority have not released an official statement yet, but Safaricom, they've come up to state that, oh, they've made the final six company shortlist of com- uh, that will be bidding for two telecom licenses in Ethiopia. So, yeah, mm. there were initial 12 companies mm. interested. So, they, we don't know who the other five companies are yet, but Safaricom is making mm. a very, very big push they have backing from mm. UK's Vodafone and Safaricom's Vodacom. So, yeah, they even uh, got uh, some depth funding from the US to aid this expansion. Uh, well, they're all in. Yeah, they're all <laughs> in. Yeah, so the Ethiopia market is, is really, really big. And uh, after Nigeria, they're the most populous country in Africa with 140 yeah. million yeah. people. And just 15 million people have access to mobile devices. So, about yeah. 64 million people, they're about... Uh, still without plenty room for yeah, growth, plenty room for growth, and mm-hmm. we've even seen the likes of MTN. We've, we've noticed they've been trimming down to size since last year. They sold out their Jumia stake, sold out IHS stake, and recently they sold off a stake in Bix. Probably for this reason, yeah, probably we can't sell, we can't really say, but yeah, they are. Uh, I, I mean, I can see why Safaricom is all in because. The, the Kenya market is saturated. Yeah, 109%. So there's no more room for growth. There's no more. <laughs> and then there's the mobile money thing. Yeah. They, they should be able to they push, move their mobile money. Ethiopia to is Ethiopia. not <laughs> giving room for mobile money to telcos. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I, that's the things. I, I would even like to see how this will work out because I'm very sure that the government will not want to give away its control on the internet space so there may be some kind of conditions that safari come have to yeah, yeah. agree yeah, to and maybe empty into i will tell you to off, oh, yeah, let's, off your let's, mic or offline just off it <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep we'll keep watching that space okay so let, let's move to the last story of the day fintech we all love fintech africa but, but before that before that last story there's something again um fintech fraud in nigeria i mean fintech fraud is a problem all over the world uh, but in Nigeria, it's a very serious problem that is not really addressed. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, the fintech players silently use their phones to, to cover, you know, up. cover up what is going mm-hmm. on. And then that's, we've seen the rise of many platforms like Voyance and Blacklist that have risen to try and solve the fintech, problem, uh, fintech fraud problem. But there are some interesting numbers that Emmanuel shared. NIBS, Nigerian Interbank Settlement. Yeah. Yeah. So... From Q, Q3 of 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so the first nine months, uh, January to September, Nigeria lost up to 5 billion Nigerian financial services companies. They lost up to 5 billion Naira to fraud in the first nine months of 2020. And uh, the routes through, the, the routes they came, they came through social engineering, POS fraud, uh, online gambling, and of course, web channels. And uh, the names are saying, 
as people moved online, these fraudsters also moved along. So as internet activities increased, fraudulent activities also increased. I mean, in 2019, in Q3 2019, it was just 550 million. But in Q3 mm. 2020, we had about 3.3 billion. That's crazy. <laughs> it's weird. That's in fact, crazy. most of the numbers are called in Q3 2020. So it's. I remember there was a case, mm-hmm. was it last year? Uh, about Kari Wise and the this the travel influencer Fumi Oyatogo, mm. so, uh, uh, yeah, that uh, she lost like millions of naira. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I remember that. Through this kind of thing, so saying, well, she, she got her money back anyway. I suspect that Kari Wise actually used their personal phones to because that from the way it was described, that money went away. Mm. And again, social mm. engineering. When when it comes to that, there's little. There's actually nothing your bank or your financial institution can do. Mm. When you yourself authorized, pre- yes. probably unknowingly, you authorized mm-hmm. funds being them to, <laughs> to be removed from your account. Accounts, yeah. So, so that's crazy. I, I think there's little these fintech solutions that that document and try to help you blacklist um, first stars online can do because you uh, social engineering requires you to be vigilant yourself so i mm-hmm. think most banks are trying to keep their their users abreast of this and they keep sending them messages that they should be careful with they give that give out their details to your mm-hmm. bvn your card pin your card number and other sensitive information so i think it's it's sensitization that we cut it for people not to yeah fall but sometimes prey. sometimes why people fall praise because these people sometimes have details about you, like partial details that like, oh, how did they know you? So then you tend to trust them. Like if you're, mm. if you're not aware that this is kind of happening, you easy, you're, you're easy prey and you easily trust them because they have some details, which makes me suspect that they, of course, some of the mm. bank staff are in cahoots with fraudsters. So they share this information to them. Definitely. Mm. Yes, so, yes, it's crazy possible. stuff. So finally, um, the big daddy of fintech in Nigeria, whether you like it or not, like it or not, they're the big daddy. <laughs> quick t- uh, Interswitch Quick Teller, yeah, is going into e-commerce. So they launched Quick Teller for business. Mm. If you remember last year, I believe it was last year, yeah. Paystack and Flutterwave launched different versions. So Paystack launched Paystack Commerce and Flutterwave launched Flutterwave Store, which are like uh, quick pages you can set up without having a website. You can create a payment link and list your products that you have. Then people click and pay and all of that. Mm. So QuickTeller 2 has launched that. The question is, why is Big Daddy doing this? And why did it take mm. Big Daddy this long? <laughs> so it seems the, uh, the QuickTeller is seeing like a huge potential in this market for e-commerce and a lot of businesses are supposedly moving online. So I think uh, they feel coming to this space and having a kind of brother rich possibly than the likes of Paystack and Flutterwave, they might be able to tap into this. Or what do you guys think about it? Well, I me, mean, I'm not sure. First of all, I'm not even sure whether these things are, are seeing interesting adoption. I mean, I, I don't have access to the numbers of Paystack and Flutterwave, but I don't really see, again, of course, they may have seen, they may be seeing what we're not seeing. They see the numbers, they see how people transact. So they probably decided to do that. But I think it's more of a case of trying to capture these small businesses early so mm. that when the market explodes and is ready, they are, they are there, right? That's what it looks like to me. 
more than any other thing. But I may be wrong. I may not be seeing the numbers. They may have seen patterns and habits mm. in their back end that sees them, makes them realize that, oh, this is something interesting. And then for Quick Teller to now enter the space, even though they, they took their time, maybe Quick Teller to, maybe now, maybe now Quick Teller or Interswitch is, is bringing validation to this because whether you like it or not, they are still the big daddies. And a lot of um, mm-hmm. debit card transactions still go through them. Uh, they have the switching license. Oh, of course, there's Intransact and there's a team app that got a license two years ago or last year, a switching license. But Quitella is still, especially for MasterCard, as far as I remember, the most or if not all MasterCard transactions go through them. Mm-hmm. I stand to be correct, but I think Paystack last year or two years ago finally got a direct link to them to MasterCard. I am not sure. I did not prepare to speak about this, so I, I did not. I'm very careful about what I said, but one I know is that for a very long time, Quick Teller was the one process. So they may have seen things we are not seeing, mm. uh, which make them to say, okay, let's go into this space again. Or maybe it's just a whole, the idea is just to just do what is interesting and position you for small business. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. And then when you compare it to being a merchant, a merchant um. on e-commerce platforms like Jumia and Conga. Jumia that will do a lot of the marketing for you because Jumia has very good search engine optimization where when you search for something you want to buy something Jumia is one of the first results Conga is one of the first results either organically or by ads mm. or as opposed to Paystack Commerce and Flutterwave Store where yes you have the payment link and payment page but you still have to be the one distributing it or whether you push it on your Instagram or your WhatsApp and all of that mm. so and again, there's the worry about Facebook with Instagram and WhatsApp. <laughs> That's a very... Uh, uh, hmm. Once they activate that... That's a native feature. In Nigeria, That's as, something else. That's going to be very serious. I, know, I mean, Pesta did something very interesting last year where... I think, I think it was last year. They did some very nice things with Instagram. So they're hmm. like trying to... When, yeah, when they were promoting Pesta Commerce... So they they had like they created a couple of brands that they wanted to use to to launch it, and they had like an Instagram page where each page each image when you click on it and then maybe you click on furniture and you want to buy them when you click it takes you to with it's still within Instagram takes you to a a pasta created page for that merchant where you can now mm. see what they offer. Then when you click mm. to buy it opens the payment page within Instagram. And then you mm-hmm. process your payment and you go. But mm-hmm. all it just takes for Facebook is to say, okay, we want to do this. And they just, with a snap, that mm-hmm. the Zuckerberg has uh, created, made the future native. And so I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I know. I know that social commerce is very interesting. It's getting very interesting. Even G, uh, GIGL, logistics giant GIGL, is also trying to play in that space with GIG Go. And we talked about something yeah, they launched yeah, the recently, class plan, right? Yeah. yeah, to help, to help yeah, uh, small businesses. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an interesting space, but I don't see much happening until the next two, three, five years. But I think for a lot of them, it's about positioning yourself early enough to uh, be ready when the market is ready. So, mm. but I would like to see again a caveat: I don't have numbers, so I'm not saying this from an informed place. I'm just saying this is my idea. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I think about the whole thing, anyway. So it will be interesting to observe. We just keep watching that and see what's going on, and uh, maybe reach out if you're willing to talk. Whether it's Quick Teller or Paystack or Frotter, let's see what's going on there. It'll be interesting. All right. Anyway, that brings the close to everything we've talked about today. There are many more stories we could share, but uh, time has gone. A lot of time. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, uh, uh, there's clubhouse and its privacy issues. There are many other things that's going on. But we'll put a link to every story that we've mentioned today 
the episode notes, including the Yinka story about the Ethiopian digital ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We'll put that story in the episode notes. And uh, yeah, okay, if you're listening for the first time, maybe someone shared this to you or you saw a clip on Twitter and then you click to listen more. This is the Tech Point Africa podcast. It goes live every Friday by 8 a.m. West African time. And if you want to know where you can get it, Emmanuel, where can they get it? Yeah, you can get this podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, basically anywhere you get your podcast, but not SoundCloud. Yeah. And if you don't like the podcasts, yeah, apps, definitely we're out of SoundCloud. Okay, yeah. So if you don't like the podcast app, you can go to podcasts.techpoint.africa and you get all the latest updates on that website. And also don't forget our sister podcast, Built in Africa. And where we highlight yeah. the best stories of innovations and startups and entrepreneurs in Africa. So in Africa. yeah, you can head to any of all these platforms I mentioned earlier or you head over to builtin.africa. And of course, the digital currency summit that is taking place on the 25th of March, Emmanuel. Yeah, yes. Well, we're, don't forget, we're hosting the biggest and brightest minds in crypto. And uh, of course, with everything that's going on with the CPN crypto ban, uh, the conversation is very, very ripe. Uh, the discussion around regulations, the future of money. Uh, now we are talking about stable coins. We're talking about uh, central bank issued digital currencies. These are contemporary conversations that need to be had. And yeah, make it a date that the Digital Currency Summit is, uh, is holding at four points by Sheraton. And yeah, head over to currency.techpoints.africa. And, and you can get a ticket at currency.techpoints.africa. Okay, yeah, currency.techpoints.africa. If I'm reporting words. Okay, I just want to tell you guys to stay safe and stay positive. Stay safe and stay positive. Thank you. And on that note, we say bye. Bye to everyone. Bye. Catch you next week. Bye.